Welcome to Diffuse Congruence. This is episode 68 of the American Muslim Experience. My name is Zaki Hassan. I'm here with my partner, Pervez Ahmed. Hey, welcome back, listeners. Uh, minute, Zucky, it's been several minutes, as you like it's, to say. I like to say it's been a minute, but you haven't caught on to the parlance. I, I haven't. I'm, You're I'm, not hip to the parlance. I'm, I'm not. But anyway, it's been a minute, and uh, I guess Eid Mubarak, Happy Eid, belated for those who celebrate. Um, we've just been unable to scheduling various reasons. Haven't made it. We don't like up. each other. Yeah, there you go. Also, there's, there's, that's a big there's, problem. There's a, we are we are like Laverne and Shirley in the last season of Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> you like, and, like Martin. And on that oh, comedy no, note, yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that comedy like, note, like Martin got, and Gina, yeah. you can't be in the same yeah. scene. Yeah. Is that, they didn't, they were, they didn't like each other. Oh, it was weird, bro. It was weird. <laughs> That's hilarious. It was, it was really, really weird. But that just shows you the power of money. It's like this is how we're gonna work it out. <laughs> it's very funny because like a week ago, I was on YouTube and I was just completely random. I was looking at the intros of Martin. Just over the years, and, oh. but you know, seeing who was on. Has someone done like a compilation or something? Yeah, you know, yeah, season yeah, one, yeah, season yeah, two, yeah. and season three. It's like Martin Lawrence blah, 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 and Tisha Campbell. You know, like oh. she she didn't want anything to do with him. So yeah, yeah it was it was, yeah. it was uh, again. I'm using Laverne and Shirley, which is like yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know why I'm using Laverne. Shlemiel, Shlemazel. All right. Yes, <laughs> and that voice you're hearing, by the way, that yeah. is Preacher Moss, who's hey, our guest. Hey. For this episode, thank you so much for uh, we are. I was going to say for hanging out with us, but the truth yeah. is, we're hanging out with you yeah. in in uh, your uh, hotel room here in the mm. Bay Area. So. That's right. First of uh, all, yeah, and welcome to the Bay. Welcome, what good what to brings have you, back. you to the Bay Area? Yeah. Man, um, wow! I'm doing my own comedy special. It's called Love Supreme Anatomy of Gratitude, mm. which is um, it's really a long form comedy, which I think has been missing, mm. uh, particularly in a, in a and the Muslim vibe in terms of art and um, for the inartful I guess or those who aren't in the know how would you define long term long form comedy as opposed to what stand up comedy or as opposed to what it's truth truth telling Hmm. you know it's that space in between where you can you can go between the joke and you can tell people you know these are the colors of the joke this is what it really means like Mm. if anybody ever got a chance to watch Dick Gregory He'd do a three-hour show, yeah, because he'd give you the laughs, but he'd give you like these just really intimate details of what society was really going on about. Like, uh, prime example, he came to see a show of mine, an Alamami Funny Show in D.C. several years ago. Wow, what an honor! And what was, you know, I'd known him before. You know, that was my mentor. He kept me in the comedy game when I was going to quit. Um, and he surprised me because he was in D.C. He was going to come out and see all that made me funny. I told him about it like five or six years before it happened. This is what I'm thinking. He comes out to see the show and I had this joke um, about political parties. Okay. About how there were so many political parties. You got Democrats, you got, you got Libertarians, you got the Republicans. I said, you got the... Green Party. I said, you got the Green Party. Yeah. I said, you got, you got the... the uh, at the time, I said, you got the, the Tea Party. I said, for black people that are self-hating, can't get into the Tea Party, they have the Sweet Tea Party. And uh, he came up to me after the show. And he's like, I want, I, want, I, want the, I want the rubrics of that joke. I want everything hmm. about that joke. And he was like, deconstructing the joke but he was telling me one of the failures of the black medical intellectual communities that we haven't been able to form a political block Mm. and so imagine getting lectured 
because he's got all these years. I mean, at, at that time, he was just turning 80. Wow. Hmm. So he's like, let me give you all the details from when it was Martin, when it was Mecca, when it was Malcolm. Let me tell you, it's like, so, you know, me thinking of this joke, it has layers to it, but not layers like that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Not layers like that. Like, I, I wanted, people ask me, I know you got a bunch of jokes about Trump. I'm like, Trump, I'm like, no, man, I really don't have jokes about Trump. I have truth mm. about Trump. And uh, the truth is funny in some regards, but some of it, some of it is like, yo, man, this is you gotta have a strong will to come out and see my show because it's not, you know, there's a difference between being a, a comedian and a clown, and yeah. you know, you run that line. But I'm like, you know, people need to hear things, you know, because voices are muted now, and you know. You you there's an old joke they used to say, uh, how do you keep Jews out of the country club? Hire one Jew, he keeps the others out. Wow. Wow. Hmm. And that's the way it's become with comedy, particularly hmm. with Muslim comedy. You know, can, you, can you expand on that? That's fascinating to me. Well, a person gets into a position and they tell you, hey, you're this and you're that and you're this and you're that. And you you know, and they say, but that guy right there, this person, what they're saying, we don't like it. And then they turn it into, it can threaten what we're doing for you. It can hmm. threaten what you've built it can threaten your support you know mm. we can't control whether you move left whether you move right you know, one of my first I've told the story a couple times I, I told all the comedians oh, I let me be funny it's a, you know everybody has that that one meeting where they basically ask you you know are you willing to sell your soul and uh, mm. I was with an agent I don't even mind I don't even mind saying his name his name was Jeff Chetty he was with uh, Brillstein Gray sure and Dale Hammond from Saturday Live got me the uh, he got me the meeting, and this is a big meeting, man. And I walked in, and I'm telling him all this stuff, and he's yeah, 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 yeah. And it was like you know, that's when they had the best damn sports show back then. It was uh, Colorado, right? Yeah, so he was like, yeah, well, I think we can get you on this and this. And he goes, you Muslim? I go, yeah. So let me ask you a question. And he goes, uh, so if you had a chance to make a whole lot of money, or you know, make like social change, you know, what would you do? And I'm like. Well, you know, money's good. You got to feed your family. Da da da. I said, but you know, change is important. I said, that's where my heart is. You know, and he said, all right, thanks for coming. Wow. wow. You know, your meeting is short when they don't have to validate your parking ticket. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that was yeah. it. And I realized at that point, mm -hmm. um, if I was going to continue doing, I was it was going to be organic thing. So. And Allah made me funny couldn't happen in Hollywood. I had to leave Hollywood and start it. I couldn't even start in Mass Shit. Right. I had to have a relationship with some of the clubs to bring out people out to show that we had a particular type of value that you couldn't really control. Hmm. So it's like, you know... Well, I, I think therein lies a lot of the challenges for you as, as an artist, as a Muslim artist, specifically perhaps as a Muslim comedian, is on the one hand... Allah, the meeting that you just mentioned with your agent, you've got that kind of ceiling beyond which, unless you're willing to sell out, you might not be able to break. And then on the other hand, within the Muslim community, there are certain things that you wouldn't be able to get away with talking about in a mosque, or you know where. So you have, you have, you kind of have to take it out of that quote unquote space in order to have that well, no, conversation. It's, no, no, it's, it's tricky. Mm -hmm. It's tricky this way. Because you can 
you can take out profanity, all that type of stuff. Okay. There are just some ideas that people don't want to hear. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right, right. When I first started, no one wanted to hear anything about racism. No one wanted to hear about racism. You're talking about Muslim audiences. Yeah. Muslim audiences did not want to hear about racism. Within um, our community. Yeah, without our community. Right. Which is and they, and substantial, you, by the way. Yeah. And they would tell you, yeah. you know, there's no Islam, and they give you the same. Uh, the same. Yeah. Uh, there's no the white spiel, over. The spiel, there's no the black the bumper sticker. Like, yeah, the, the brochure. Yeah, yeah the brochure. Like, there's no W.D. Muhammad over the nation of Islam. I would just be a jerk, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I'm like, I'm seeing it, and I'm like, I'm worried because you're seeing it, but you can't, you can't say, it, you can't articulate it because yeah. it's an omission at some point in time. Hmm. Like I talk about mm. Trump, but I, yeah. I I talk about Trump, but I'm talking about Trump from a totally different perspective, which is I understand evolution and growth with children. See everything I've done in terms of all that made me funny. It was all based for the youth. Hmm. Well, can talk about talk about your perspective on Trump because I'm sure people listening are kind of like well. Tell well us more. There's a difference between practicing politics and, and, and black folks say, either you, you're not practicing practicing politics, you're practicing magic. Hmm. Oh, I thought you were going to say politics, but okay. Politics, that- but you, yeah, you're practicing I, magic. Heard, ah. I mean, have you really ever looked at some of the people? If you put them a split screen and where they were before Trump became president, and they were scared of them to where they are now. Hmm. I mean, yeah. Here, uh, yeah. Yeah. certainly a lot of the Republicans who. We're on that Sarah, stage Sarah Huckabee looks like she's drugged. Hmm. You ever see that? Like, give us the truth. Well, da da. I yeah. mean, it's 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 weird. It's a cult, man. Drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, it's like the Republican version of of, of Jim Jones. Hmm. Except you don't have to get on the plane and go to Guyana. Okay, the, the Kool Aid is right here. Yeah, but and how does that happen? Well, I mean, I think it happens two ways. I think it happens two ways. Number one. You have to get folks to imagine, and this is maybe long form or whatever. Here in America, we think that these are the best and brightest people because they tell us they're the best and brightest people. But if you do your homework, um, the people that came over from England and Europe, you know, they were sent over. And, and, and the Europeans, they didn't send us the best and brightest. They sent these are white people that white people didn't want. And so what kind of government do you think is going to be established here? What kind of moral foundation do you think is going to be established here? Hmm. Wow. You flip the whole thing, think about African Americans that come over here. You know, it was the strongest and, and, and the, the, the deepest will who wanted to survive and adapt when they got here. Hmm. That's very true. So you look at the balance and... Fascinating. No one wants to put those things in a fair fight. Hmm. You know, there's never been a fair fight for minorities in the United States. Well, you speak about the black American experience, and I can't help but interject, like, say, the experiences of, like, my parents or Zuckies, right? Where we're kind of in the middle there, because on the one hand, you know, I would argue that to a certain extent, they represented a certain, they represented an, an, an elite from, in their own home countries, mm-hmm. whether it's the Middle East or certainly the subcontinent. They came here for higher education, or they were already educated, and they came here for... Um, social mobility, mm-hmm. and then, but and then, secondly, so so, th- th- hence that they're not completely like the European immigration that you that you spoke of early on, and yet they're not entirely obviously like, or they're not at all like the African American experience because they weren't brought here involuntarily; right. they came here voluntarily. So, 
that the immigrant experience, which is obviously very, very much in the, what is it, in the ether right now, in the conversation happening right now around immigration, hmm. is is kind of interesting there because we're not, we don't fit the European model of immigration, nor do we fit the the, the African model. I think you touched on something. Okay. Um, and as a, I can for the NFL, and I've had this. Wow. So, you know, it's funny because this episode follows our last episode with Ahmed Nassar. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, you, you, yeah, yeah. You're familiar from with From NFL. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's it's fascinating that you bring in you, you bring in the NFL because we had that conversation just last just on the last show. Anyway, please. No, I, I think so you touch on something. Okay. And I think it gets overlooked. Please. It's a scope of social, social mobility. If you look at the recent um, ruling from the Supreme Court, it's not about a Muslim ban. It's about mobility, being able to control right. mobility. And for the listeners, we're literally recording this the day after that ruling from the Supreme Court, and the day that Justice uh, Stevens announced that he would be Kennedy. Sorry, Kennedy <laughs> announced that he would be uh, leaving. Don't, don't yeah, get ahead of you. By the I time know. you listen to this, who knows? <laughs> it's been that kind of week. It has. Sorry. So I don't want to cut you off, but I, I just want to mention, yeah, I want to drop that absolutely. out there because I do, these are conversation threads that I want to pick up on for our listeners. So please, sorry. So you had this, point. yeah, you uh-huh. had this whole thing and it's really about social mobility, which, you know, we were just talking about <laughs> the, uh, the whites that Europeans sent over here with white people that white people didn't want. So I, I, metaphorically, I look at Trump supporters somewhat as indentured servants. Meaning that <laughs> to who to the GOP to or to the establishment? I would say to the game. Uh-huh. Know, to, yeah, because yeah. well, yeah, right. basically to the uh, game, to the man, to the to, establishment, to the whatever. Right? To yeah. the, okay. To the you know, I think the thing is, people say you say the man, the black man goes, hey, the man. No, no, no. The white man has to do with that's the man too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, but, it, they, but they they will never say that. So you well, have this. They have to deal with the man, especially I would argue poor whites who let's say let, 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 let's uh, be. Real it were the vast majority of people who did vote for Trump. Yeah, well, poor whites have it as bad. I would well, maybe not as bad, but they have it certainly no, I, worse I off than their ex- whites. They have it extremely bad, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. uh, Glad I, you agree. This, this is why they have it extremely bad because if you look at laws and, and, and constitution, you know it was designed to support. This thing called just just white sustainability, sure. mm-hmm. and they've wake they woke up basically. That's how they hated Obama, because Obama was very intellectual, and he let you kind of know we were. They just, some people just woke up one day. Oh, you know what? We we've had busting slavery. Da da da. We had these advantages. We should be here. We're here. And mm-hmm. someone woke up and go, you know what? Damn, this is the best. This is the best it might be. Mm-hmm. This is the best it may get. Wow. And think, we're not even talking yeah. about my 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 children. Yeah. I can't even go tell my kid this. This is as good as it's gonna get. See the thing about African Americans and mm-hmm. immigrants or something like that. You know, in that space, you know, we 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 recognize the ceiling, but we just go let's go break through that ceiling. Hmm. Or we recognize the ceiling, we can't break through. You know, we're just gonna build our own house. Mm-hmm. That was that was Negro baseball league and mm-hmm. things like that, and and, and the bar and storm and right. basketball teams. It's like we knew how to do that. I praise the Lord. Hey man. There's no Muslim representation out here, Muslim comedy. Not even Muslim comedy back in, in, in 99 and 2000, before 9-11 happened. It was like our people aren't shown in a space where 
they are enjoying themselves. They, they self-validate themselves in a public way. I'm going to do all that make me funny. So it's like, where's the tour? There's no tour. I left Hollywood. I'm like, you know what? I left Hollywood after uh, the George Lopez show. Came in. I'm like, you know, what do we do? And it's like, you know what? There's a there's a blueprint here. You're just putting entertainment to it. You have to build that. Right. And it was a perfect opportunity for me because it's like, nobody's going to see this coming. I'll put it out there and we'll build our own house. Right. You know, and then eventually you'll have people going, you know what? I like that house. I want to own that house. You know, you, they say, right. how do we, how can I get that house? Which has been as the scope of immigrant social mobility because they say, yeah, we're going to give you these jobs, but there's a caveat. Oh, yeah. There's a caveat. It's like, okay, cool. Well, you know how this goes. We don't like this. We don't like, I joke about, you know, the next Supreme Court ruling is going to be about how many times a Muslim can pray. You know, you know five is too much. You know, what about three? Three and a half? Can we do three and a half? Right. And there'll be some Muslims going, yeah, I could do three and a half. <laughs> right. Sure. So right. Trump has basically reintroduced the idea of house Muslims and field Muslims. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that exact, I, that sort of idea of that Malcolm talks about, obviously, the, the, the house Negro, the field Negro demarcation, and you bringing that up. That's a really interesting point. Um where were we, man? There's so many sort of threads to pick up on. Sorry, man. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's good. They're all good but threads. Zeki, I mean, you and I were talking about this before the show, but I mean, even the election of Trump, we—I think you said it, and I agreed—didn't have us as concerned as what not only with yesterday's rulings, but also with today's announcement of Justice Kennedy. And so why do you say you find yourself in a spot where you're even more concerned than you were on November uh, you know, 8th? I, I think for me, the thought I had, because I, I was thinking about this, I was like, up, up to this moment, we've clung to maybe a, maybe a made-up hope but the idea that the the levers of of, of power the the structures of government will impede this mm-hmm. right and we're at a point now where it's like the sudden realization that there's no one coming to help yeah superman isn't flying in to save lois lane like this is we're we're in we're in it now and again you know cuz i i can speak to the fact i know people who voted for trump and they justified their vote. They said he's terrible, mm-hmm. but if he's too if he's too off the rails, Congress will impeach him, which is ridiculous, obviously. And I said, "What are you, are you kidding me?" Right? But this was the hope yeah, that people yeah, constructed yeah, yeah, yeah. in their head. And and notwithstanding those people, even people who didn't vote for Trump still had it in their mind. Like, you know, it's funny. Just before I came here, I was I saw on, on Saturday Night Live. It was a, on YouTube. It was a Saturday Night Live sketch from like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Where it's like this is about the heroic Republican who stood up to his own party. His name was TBD, and the joke is there's nobody like that, you know. And I'm like a year later, that joke is even sadder slash funnier because it's so entirely true, so right? Entirely true. And and we see, I mean, you know, uh, we, when you look at the court specifically, right? You say, okay, well, Gorsuch is terrible. He's proven to be terrible, and the way he got the seat is terrible. But you say. If nothing else, you say, well, the balance of the court did not fundamentally change because he just filled the Scalia slot, right? Right. Now, Kennedy, as even though I disagree with the notion that he's a, a swing justice, but whatever. For the, but that's been the narrative. That's the narrative. For sure. Well, let's, do we honestly think another 
swing justice no, and reinstall it? Of course not. I, I said something. You know, Trump. Uh, Trump in 2018 puts me squarely in this narrative. And it's, almost, it's religious, it might be. It's not heresy, but it's religious. It's like, he constantly reminds me that, that there's no more messages coming. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. So there's no more messages. All you get is reminders mm. that you should have wow. listened to the messages. Huh. So you had King. You know, you, you had Jesus. You had all of them. It's like there are no more. And you're going to get reminders, and guess what? The reminders are going to be bad reminders. Hmm. So yeah. whatever happened in 2016, here's your reminder what should happen in 2016. And it's like, you know, wow. I, I literally think in a year. Yeah. I think in a year, man, uh, the United States is going to look like uh, pre-Islamic Saudi Arabia. Oh, gosh. And we're just going to have uh, butt-naked people making tawaf from uh, the White House. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I mean yeah. you're only partly joking, but I mean, yeah. in... in you know, man, I, I'm I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of starting a school for idol making. <laughs> that's because that's where we are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's you know the whole the whole thing is right because I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm like the whole the whole narrative is don't normalize it, don't normalize yeah, it, yeah. don't normalize it. And I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. Right. I I agree with that. Right. But here's the problem. There's a whole generation of kids that's going to grow up with this as normal. Well, that's I think that's it. Uh, his it's. Long form. I have a bit in this presentation called Trump and E flat. Mm. And I have a jazz band playing behind me in E flat. My understanding of Trump comes from being a teacher. I taught severely mostly disturbed kids for 11 years. Okay. So we understand behavior, behavior modification. They don't really want us to teach, mm-hmm. they want us to modify behavior. My first year teaching in Milwaukee, tough year, tough rookie year. But it was highlighted by this one kid. Every day, this kid would get up at two o'clock, and, and he and, and he pee on the floor. Two o'clock, pee on the floor. Mm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, clockwork. Clockwork. Pee on the floor. The first week, everybody's in, you know outraged, like, "What are you doing? Oh my God, what are you doing?" You know. Second week, does the same thing. Attitude change. Well, what's wrong? Do you need a hug? Do you need to talk to somebody? Tell them about your feelings. The third week. Kid gets on the floor, all the kids in the room look at each other and go, hey man, it's two o'clock. Wow. Well, there we go. So with Donald Trump, it's always two o'clock. Yeah. You know know what's funny? It's two o'clock. You know what's funny is is the corollary there is I'm at a point now where I roll out of bed and I go to Twitter. What crazy thing did he say? It's not, geez, Louise, why is it, right? It's, oh, okay, let's see what he said. And and literally, I've, I've, I've had to shut off. I need, I'm on, it's like, news It's always detox. 2 o'clock. Yeah. You know how we got this kid yeah. to stop peeing on the floor? But that's we, a fascinating... We had to change it. We, we used to manipulate the clock in the classroom. Not funny. Really? And we he manipulated still, it, and yeah. he couldn't figure out when 2 o'clock ah, was. Ah, yeah, yeah. And then the killer part was, I had a, te- I had I a mentor teacher. I think yeah. I had a mentor teacher, and she goes, what's going on? And I'm telling, she goes, oh, is that what you're doing? And goes, yeah. She goes, uh, well, you know, sometimes it's 2 o'clock in his house. Oh, yeah. You know what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went over to this kid's house on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. About 150, 155, knocked on the door. What are you doing here? You know, they talked to your mother. Yeah. And I called ahead, and she was like, what's going on? I said, let's, let's, I'm looking at my watch. 2 o'clock comes. 
You let him pee on the floor. He does not? I say, ma'am. Yeah. Here's what we've been doing. Last week, we just kid at 2 o'clock, pee's on the floor. I said, I came here to see if he's going to pee on your floor. And the mother was like, oh, we're going to get this right right now. Go get that belt. Huh. What happens is people in their minds think they can get away with a situation because you're going to normalize the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. His mother had no idea. His mother represents a whole other level of logic. He was a normal kid over here. Hmm. But over here, I can act out. Over here, I can... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I... Yeah, because it, to your point also, Zaki, about waking up every morning and, and it just it's just a continuation of the craziness. I think that the way in which that continues to happen day in and day out is in and of itself a way that Trump has been able to normalize this. Mm-hmm is because regardless of how we respond to it, another word that was being thrown around the last few days has been civility, right? How do you, how do you, you know, is, is was it proper what the Red Hen restaurant did yeah. to Sarah Huckabee Sanders? The, the point, and, and whether it was civil or not and what they did, but the point is normalizing is happening just by the sheer volume of craziness that's coming out from this administration. But look at, and that's why, I mean, sorry, going back to really quick, Zucky, about the point we were, what I, what I asked you earlier about why is this moment in history more troubling than, you know, the day after the election? Is because you, you've seen what this administration is capable of. The, like the, 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 the extreme uh, nature of this administration. And now you have, like you said, you, you have a realization that the levers of democ- American democracy are not enough to impede this administration's crazy vision of the world. Yeah. And that's what makes this scary, mm-hmm. right? Because you have an extreme agenda, you have an extreme administration with an extreme agenda, you have a, rubber, you have a, you, you have a rubber stamp you know, legislative body, well, which hopefully can change somewhat in the upcoming midterms. And now you have a Supreme Court where a 5-4, you know, uh, not to call that a balance, but a 5-4, what would you call that? A 5-4... Huh? Majority. No, no, majority. But a five-four relationship on the board. I mean, on the on the on the court can be now significantly altered to be, you know, six-three. Yeah. Now the only hope in all of this is that you get like a Sandra o- uh, Day O'Connor situation where where she was a Reagan appointee yeah. who ended up being a liberal, or a, I'm sorry, a moderate. And let's let's. Assume that that won't be the case, right? right? It, you know, the thought I had, I was thinking about this, and it's all like, after, you know, hindsight. But okay. it's like, look at look at the miscalculation that the Democrats made. And I put this on President Obama, to be honest. He's like, here's Merrick Garland, the most inoffensive, <laughs> middle of the road white guy. Right. Here, Republicans, milk toast, and you know, yeah. and this is not in any way denigrating Merrick Garland. I'm sure he would have yeah. been a great justice. Right. That's not the point I'm making. Yeah. But. But even that, you see what I'm saying? Even that was not enough. Whereas, what if he said, here's a woman of color. Here's the first black female justice of the Supreme Court. Make it somebody worth fighting for. Do you see? Like, my point is, if they're going to give you zero anyway, then you make it somebody who they have to really defend being Horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what yeah, I'm saying? That's a great point. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I was thinking. About, I was thinking about this on the drive. It's here. like it's like Obama tried to play safe and placate, and they still. I mean, this is what President Obama did, right? Was, and were recalcitrant. Like, but I, I think I think the thing is. No, no, you're right. I think President Obama did that. 
I think the thing is, man, for eight years, we, 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 the Democrats, in some regards, uh, and we, we, we have that in our community. Hmm. We have people who. Uh, you mean cowards? Oh, <laughs> that too. <laughs> okay, sorry. So, um, yeah, you know what it is, man? And people overindulge and uh, they're, they're, they're caught up in the discourse. Yeah. Um, the kind of in the discourse to the point that it it, it affects action. Hmm. Um, it's, it's a story when I was a kid. Hey, kid, a, a guy was a bully. Yeah, he's a bully. Came around and uh, you know he he, bull, he punk everybody. I want to take your lunch and da da da. And it was the one kid that said, you know what? Because you're not gonna take my lunch anymore. And everybody was like, what? What? You're not going to take my lunch. The guy said, I'll take your lunch. He said, I'm not going to take your lunch. And you know what? When they went to tussle, the guy was no bigger than me. The bully was huge. Mm. But all the guys my size, we jumped on the bully. Mm. Because, you know what? You have to have a credible threat. Mm. And the Democrats did not have a credible threat for an amount of years. And it's like, look, we don't take you seriously. That's yeah. right. You know, That's the scope right. of it is, yeah. you know, um, I don't know if you ever remember the movie... Uh, Raisin and the Sun, Sidney Poitier. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I always got mad at Sidney Poitier because uh, at the end, these white people paid him all his money not to move in the neighborhood. <laughs> and I was like, yo, I'd have taken that money and I'd have moved in the neighborhood anyway. Right. Because <laughs> right. like, I want you to know that's the type of black man that you're dealing with. Right, mm-hmm. right. So I'm like, if the, if, 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 if the uh, position was switched, you would have done it. I'm like, listen, there, there's things where people are very, very good about talking, you know, because they're hoping it's not going to escalate to anything. Mm-hmm. What the Republicans do is they're very good about, we're going to hype, we're going to hype, we're going to hype. These politicians are not doing it. You're having people come out of the, the woodwork who average people to manifest this ugliness. Yeah. You know, now I feel like I'm empowered to go talk to Parvez a certain way because I have this... this I've been overdosing on American exceptionalism or white supremacy exceptionalism sure. and I have the right to say this is hey, you know one time I was a kid and I did the busing years you know in the words it wasn't busing I, I didn't take the bus I had to walk to school with all these white kids and watch the black kids come on the bus so I was in between mm-hmm. and I mean this kid man every day he used to call me the n-word you nigga you nigga you nigga and I really wanted to... I beat him up. He still didn't want it. We got in a crowd one day, and he said, this is my beginning of my comedy career. He goes, you're a nigga. And I said, spell it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he put a J in there. I was like, game over. <laughs> N-I-G-J. I'm like, and everybody just fell out laughing. I was like, yeah. I said, like, because you can never use that word again because yeah. you misspelled it right now. Huh. And I got total recall on this situation. Not only I do, that person has that person. Has that. And it's like, we're not afraid to... We, we're, in some regards, I feel like we're not afraid to go there. All that made me funny for all the years that we were out, we never had people come after us. Because huh. comedians are dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I got something for that. Yeah. Uh, you really want to come over here? Because you're going to come over here with a set of rules that work over there. Well, there's no rules over here. Only rule is, I just need to be funnier than you. I'll take from whatever you give me, and I'm going to turn it around. And like, that was the scope. 
Mm. And so we, we've kind of lost that. We, For some point or some reason, it's like we don't want to engage that way. Mm. We don't want to get dirty. Well, we see it. In, you know, we were talking about this whole civility conversation, you know, and and I, I had an exchange with somebody on Twitter yesterday where I said, look, uh, first of all, how are we defining civility and who's defining it, right? Because the people who are being protested don't get to say, no, you can't protest me this way, right? And when you look at what happened with Sarah Sanders, the owner of the restaurant went up to her and said, would you mind leaving, please? We'd like to not serve you. To me, that's the most civil way because the uncivil way is hey, we did some stuff to your food that you just ate. Right. And the by owner, the way, but you pay us now. It brought to the owner's attention by, I think, the waiting staff. The waiting staff. Yeah, they and called the, the yeah, owner. Yeah. And then the owner, in turn, said, I want to hear from you guys. Yeah. She didn't want to speak. She, you know, it was a, a kind of a democrat. It was as democratic of a process as you can get. Yeah. She consulted with the waiting staff and, you know, and, and just everyone at the restaurant who worked there, and they all felt. And I think there were people, certainly minorities, others in the way, in, you know, in the staff who said, "Yeah, they didn't want to serve her." And so then Sarah Sanders was given the bad news, and the, she got she got comp the, the 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 cheese dish that she had ordered. Yeah, so she shouldn't I mean, be cheese. <laughs> I mean, I I think this goes to this broader conversation. Like, like, it's like a politician. Like, we're seeing it right now, right? Where where the president is going after the late night hosts, Mm. right? Mm. Why is he going after them? Because they go after him, right? But that's not how comedy works. Comedy is about punching up, right? That's the whole. That's the. That's how. I mean, you know better than me, right? That's here's 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 the thing. None of this, and I'm going to make a prediction. None of this is going to stop until Trump goes after the wrong black man. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And this is the dude who's going to go, you know what? That's a... I'm not playing. Yeah. Like, I'll take your whole crew out. I'm not that dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, for me, I'm not that dude. If you come after me, they say, look, you've you've you've... You've you've set up a scenario whereby this is how we get it. So then, I mean, if I could, if I could, not, I don't want to translate that, but if I could make, yeah, I guess. Well, if I translate that, that means that Trump can violate a lot of standing norms. Sure. But what he cannot do, as what you're arguing, is is insult or uh, offend uh, in a in a real way the African American community and get away with it you're not gonna you're not this is what is he was doing this is what he's doing now he's obviously violated so many norms and gotten away with it right and even gotten yeah. elected and, and, well, here's the thing yeah the African American community and, and, and to some extent the Latino community you're not gonna get that dignity hmm. you're never gonna get that dignity and when you get to that level yeah Whole game changes. Hip-hop changes. Okay? Jazz musician changes. Athletes change. You know, in a position where you are, in essence, pop culture, the coolest trick I can ever do is I'm going to leave you alone, but I'm going to get your kids. Mm. Right. I'm going to change it. I'll cause this disunity in your family because your kids are going to be like, oh, oh, wait a minute, daddy. We... I'm not down with that. Huh. I'm, I'm going to delegitimize you in that way. Yeah. And the scope is there is a there's a reckoning coming. 
Mm. Because you know the civil rights piece is, is not working. This is like a revisit. This is like a revisit of civil rights history. Yeah. At certain yeah, point, yeah. civil rights worked, but then it didn't work. Then you had to have SNCC. Then you had to have yeah. Panthers. Uh, right, right, and so, a Black Lives Matter is scary. You know, because they had to come out with a whole uh, black identity extremism to we're going to try and marshal anything in terms of black political protest or expression. And that was the whole thing with Kaepernick, you know. Right. See, And I I, I don't want to digress, but they went after Kaepernick that first year when he was playing. Yeah. And they couldn't really get him because the, the sample small was the sample size was too small. You know, you go after one guy, it's just one guy. Mm-hmm. A year later, you know, he gives his speech down in Alabama, and they have all these black men. He, and he can turn around to some of his people and go, see, I told you. Now you have a situation where everybody's real quiet. So you're sitting back and you're looking. Dave Chappelle had a brilliant analogy talking about heroin use in the white community, how it's an epidemic. And I was, you know, heroin, heroin use is an epidemic in the white community, and they need help, they need services. That's right. But back in the crack years, it was like locked all them, lock all them brothers up. Yeah. Okay. And he said something funny, sarcastic, brilliant. This guy goes, "Yeah." I says, "He goes, I know how you white people feel now with the heroin epidemic, because I grew up in Washington D.C. during the crack epidemic, and I feel like you do." He goes, uh, "I don't care." <laughs> I don't care. It's <laughs> so there's a there's a space now, yeah, and there's a growing theme. I like it. Theme where a lot of us, that say us, a lot of them, uh, a lot of us are like, you know what, we we don't we don't care, and it's like you know we're real we're real introspective about this thing because I'm like that 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 hustle is weak and that game is good. You can do certain things. With certain people, you know, mm-hmm. in the neighborhood, there's always a guy who acts like he's bully and da da da. But we all know he's soft. He's soft as butter in July. Mm. Mm. They call it pulling your card. And I feel like Trump is getting ready to get his nice. card pulled. Card pulled. I think. I think. Sally wow. Mueller. I think Mueller's gonna pull cards because mm. now once you, you you're discredited in some regards, mm. or you look to be. Um, you lose power, not so much credibility. But you lose power. It's it's a it's it's a it's a nuanced type of thing. You lose the ability to always threaten with uh, playing the trump card, pun intended. I guess. Sure. <laughs> um, so so I, I want to. I, I I I think the heightened urgency of the moment kind of had us Zucky, um, you know, kind of break format when we have these when we have these long format yeah. interviews. If there is a format, I know, but we've come to kind of. You know, there, there has been somewhat of a format to the show, and and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want. I'd be remiss if we didn't at least touch on sure your background a little bit, and, sure, and, and kind of bring everyone up to speed about your background. And then I'd love for you, since we do have you on the show, and I know the clock is ticking, have take, you take have you talk about um, have you talk about? Oh, I want to get your thoughts on comedy in general. Um, th- the good thing is we're in a safe space here in the in, in the sense that. We like to pride ourselves in long form interviews, so you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. We're not we're not stuck to the clock. Although there's probably a certain limit beyond which even we we, we do tend to probably lose our listeners. <laughs> but, but that's the yeah. So so take us back. Um, I know a little bit about your background story because you and I spent some time in Washington D.C. Yes, last month, which was wonderful. But um, I, for the sake of our audience and, and Zucky, um, 
Tell us a little bit about you and your origin story, your background. Um, wow, man. My mother uh, was an early civil rights contributor. Um, front lines, Danville, Virginia, uh, when King was really trying to start out back in the day. Father... Virginia, um, is that Southern Virginia or is that by the... Right on, uh, right on the uh, North Carolina line. Oh, wow. So like, that's, the, uh, that's like, the South. Like Yanceyville. Yeah. Danville is like 11 miles, Roxboro, for anybody that's from the uh, uh, Virginia, North Carolina area. So my mother um, saw that. Um, the, the, the legal, legally enforced black servitude is what she called it. Wow. Uh, she wound up going to Howard University. Her and my aunt, uh, my aunt went to Howard Law. Uh, my mother later got her law degree from Catholic University. But um, my evolution was I woke up every day going, why do I have to feel equal to that? Huh. Like, literally, I was like, I'm better than that. Mm-hmm. I always felt like King got assassinated. when he Basically, they were like, you wanted to be black, equal to white people. And he goes, well, who the hell want to be equal to, to that? Huh. And then he was... Vastly expendable, um, and I felt like why? Why do we have to work up to models that don't work? Wow. Why do I want to equate myself to a model that doesn't work? Why don't I just develop my own model for what I'm doing? I mean, Franz Fanon and the Wretched of the Earth talked about the whole idea of false ego ideal, which is colonized people mm-hmm. are so colonized that when they're given freedom. They just, they, they just go be. back. They just inspire to be the people that oppressed them. I'm to like, their I don't. Yeah. I don't want to do that. And I was like, you know what? We have to get out of that space. So comedy for me becomes this working lab of logic and religion later on. But logic, you know, I, I had a teacher who, uh, uh, Miss Alvita Jones, sixth grade teacher. Uh, in the sixth grade, I thought she was the meanest black woman that God had ever put on the earth. Um, I love this story. Sorry. <laughs> and she walks in, and I don't realize her background. You know, she was from the old teachers, old black Negro teachers college, and education <laughs> is how you go. Yeah. And here I am telling jokes about this lady, and, yeah. you know, and, and, and she walks in her first day of school. Everyone had to stand up. I'm like, we haven't had to do this for the whole of elementary. Why are we standing up? And this lady goes, My name is Miss Alvita Jones. She goes, I'm not here to be your buddy, your friend. I'm here to get you ready for life. Sit down and shut up. And I'm like, this is not going to be fun at all. Mm-hmm. But what you miss is the nuance of a lady who's understood the importance of education, how you get to a point. And she's trying to put it in us kids. Because to her, our success is life and death. Hmm. Clearly, life and death. So, you know, and I remember getting caught up. I, I used to tell jokes in class. I won't, I won't tell the joke now, right. but right. I got caught telling the joke, and it was a blue joke. It was a Red Fox joke. And uh, she, At the end of it, she goes, uh, she goes, Mr. Moss, do you know the, she goes, um, you know the difference between a, being a comedian and a clown? I said, no, ma'am. She goes, until you do, get your education. Wow. Nice. And, and you were how old? Sixth grade, like, I think okay. 11. Sure. But that thing... This is in Washington, D.C., This is in right? Washington, D.C., yeah. so you're, you see, you see how it, 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 it frames things for you. Mm-hmm. And so, literally, growing up, 
you're you're looking at these particular lenses, like kids would listen to, you know, uh, they would listen to hip hop music back then. I was listening to Last Poets. You know, I was listening to Last Poets. You know, uh, the white man has God complex. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, 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 because you're seeing life come at you, and it was it was just interesting. So then it talk just, about life coming at you though, because I know. So you know when you told when I heard you tell that story, we were we were there at El Hibri and we were at, right there on Embassy Row. You said you grew you, you grew up mostly down the street from there. Yeah. Tell us about the dynamic. I, I know because I know racial tensions, in addition, play a major factor in growing up in Washington D.C. Yeah. In addition to it being the nation's capital, but kind of talk about what makes D.C. so unique. D.C. essentially was because you grew up in D.C. Correct. Yeah. Your mom used you my dad was a, my dad was born in D.C. Okay. I was born in D.C. And your mom now is a lawyer uh, in Washington D.C. Well, well, she she's not she's retired. No, no, but I mean at that time she, at that that time, she worked yeah. government job. Got, my father gotcha. worked at NIH. He was a so they had really good jobs, yeah. but they had these ghosts behind them. And mm-hmm. that ghost is growing up in Washington D.C. A lot of people don't realize it yeah. that Washington D.C. essentially was a southern town. Hmm. Okay. And in the uh, sense that in the sense that you had a lot of black people come from down south up to DC. But it's also a southern town in the sense that, that there was a um, a controlling board that was all white. All white, ah. That was all white. And they used to bring the police up from West Virginia. They hired a bunch of guys from West Virginia to be the police force, which was the oppressing force. And people don't realize, you know, D.C. didn't have a black mayor until way later. You know, b- before you got Mayor and Barry and all of that. I'm like, you're, you're looking at the fact that these people lived on these. So my father talks about what it is to get up and have to live with that every day, every day. And so... so you're, and and you're, so you're dealing with a power structure, whether it's... Or, or authority. And I'm, and I'm right on... That's a, not, not... Not I mean you. I mean the black community uh, that... As happens a lot in not only in the South but arguably in major cities across mm-hmm. the country that are not representative of them, right? Yeah, it's or, not representative of your of, commu- of, of, the, of, of the, the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I laugh. You know, I, this is how old I am. I had to years ago. I had to go to Canada, and this is before you had to have a passport, and yeah, you could have your birth certificate. That's all you needed. And I gave it to the per- to the person and uh, under race. Uh, it, it said color, and the poor Canadian person was like, "Well, what color? <laughs> what what color do you want to be?" <laughs> Fascinating. Didn't say Negro. Didn't say black. It right. said colored. Because mm. I was born in '66. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he's like, "Yo, I'm I'm, I'm that, that dude. Yeah. Look, I'm that dude. I'm that last. We're that last line of guys mm-hmm. that came out of that scope. Yeah. So it's like, yo, this this you you're the uh, you're carrying you're the, you're the torchbearers in some regards. Right. And so comedy was logic. So most of the time I'm on stage, things I say are not necessarily funny to me. People just watching me work out the logic on stage. Mm. Like a lot of times things are just very, very, very confusing to me. Like Christianity was very, very confusing to me at some point because yeah. I felt like I got to talk to you to talk to God. Or I got to talk to you two dudes so you talk to God for me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I'm like, first of all, uh, first of all, you're an alcoholic. Second of all, you cheated on your wife. I don't know how God is talking to you in the first place. Hmm. I can handle it myself, but you know, it's that, mm-hmm. it's that, it's that whole thing. So, is that what drives you 
what compels you to search for an alternative to whatever religious affiliation you grew up in? I think we all have a we all have a, a revelation about religion. Yeah. The functionality of religion, especially like that moment of epiphany, right? It's also, it's also the absence of having like a, a black theological institution. Like there's no there's no black seminaries, you know, for for. But I mean, the black church is the black is, church is, is, is an but entity yeah, in and of itself. It's an entity, but it's not. There's no school for it. Okay. There's no school for it. So. So oh, you're saying so if you were religiously inclined you couldn't find a black institution to study at. Yeah, because black institutions, yeah. for the most part, are based on... Oh, religious institutions. Yeah, saying. well, in its things, you know, black religious thought, yeah. up, up until a certain point, is what white people gave you. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, certainly within Christianity. Yeah, it's what white people gave you. And That's then right. you have, after the Civil War, you have the introduction of Oriental religions. And people going, wait a minute... I can do my own due diligence. Let me look at history. I mean, if you look at the uh, uh, the Morris Science Temple, you know what they talked about? They talked about not being um, labeled as black. Some of them talking about their, their their heritage to Native Americans, which was valid then, but the heritage of Native Americans also, we have a right to land. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and with this, this type of thought is, you know, of course, smushed out. But I mean, you have the Ahmadiyya movement, which yeah. is, you know, which is not talked about a lot. But you have blacks and Indians. No, it was growing and it was, it was vibrant growing. in the black community. And then you have Nation of Islam, Prior and it's like Nation. you know, and the Nation of Islam directly addresses the things that are going on right then and right there, and that was the scope. And so, I literally say I'm a, I'm a Sunni Muslim, but I have uh, Nation of Islam uh, tendencies. So when you, so you embrace Islam. Mm-hmm. And uh, in approximately, we talking about the '70s, '80s. What are we talking about? Late, uh, late '80s. Late '80s. You take your shot. Now, do you? Are you? Do you, you don't come in? Do you come into Sunni Islam by way of the nation, or are you, did you just say that in kind of tongue in cheek in terms of no, what you just said about I, I would identifying say, yourself now as a Sunni Muslim? I think I was more nation. Um, I was very much more nation. I never joined a nation. Okay. Um, but I had an affinity towards the nation. Okay. As a young black man, if you start looking at the time frame, you're talking about yeah. crack wars and things like that. And so there's an abandonment of uh, black male identity yeah. in terms of a pure understanding. Because everything then, I mean, you used to turn on the TV. I remember uh, one of the articles was uh, you know, the black male. I'll cut this up. The black male was listed as an endangered species, which is like inherently. Uh, crazy like you know we could be extinct hmm. I used to make a joke like you know give us five years we're gonna be on you know wildlife preserve hmm. here's the uh, here's, here's the white no, here's the white rhinoceros and the black man that wanted to go to school to be a doctor hi everybody hmm. <laughs> hi I had dreams <laughs> I could have been somebody right um, but yeah while, you, you know, while, while I laugh, I'm like, that was a real thing. And the scope that every day you got up, particularly those times, like, this could be it. Hmm. Sure. The acceptance is a great analogy for black men during the crack wars. Uh, death was 2 o'clock. Hmm. Every day was 2 o'clock. I 
You didn't have to be good. You didn't have to be bad. You'd be in the wrong place at the wrong time. time. And that's all it took. It was always 2 o'clock. <clears throat> wow. Right. And so we... I mean, you heard what so happened to so-and-so? Yeah, man. It's just... Mm. It's messed up. You didn't have any space for outrage. So then, is your introduction into the community uh, by way of Imam Warthadine Muhammad? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I originally had planned to join the nation. Yeah. Uh, but... He uh, never became an official... Or like a member or... You know what person. happened? Yeah quick story is uh, the brother who was in in the nation telling me go here go here go here he essentially man he sends me to the wrong masjid oh wow and I realized he had been locked up for a minute so he didn't know that the Muhammad Muhammad's mosque number four is now Masjid Muhammad right yeah you go down there on four Street, they'll take care of you and I went there wow, and I'm man. like hey I'm looking for bow tie <laughs> I went on Friday and nobody had, I was like maybe it's casual Friday you know <laughs> and uh, you <laughs> You get there and That's, and I tell the brother, and he says, "We're gonna take care." Nice. Mm. That's God the law, man. That's, he that, said, that's he says, "We're gonna take care." Right he goes, "We yeah. understand where you're coming from." Uh huh. He said, "But there's an evolution." Beautiful. And he said, "So even he said, even if you want to be in a nation, here's some things that you need to know." Nice. Wow. And I was like, "That that's it." I mean, I still have really good relationships with Nation Islam brothers, yeah. and and. Some of the things that they're doing uh, in terms of their Akita, I, I support them. You know, like cause a lot of people think, oh, they're on this. Uh, you you can actually go. Uh, you can go to a kupa on Friday, and a brother will give a legitimate kupa. And you know, they're trying to. You know, they've always been trying to evolve. Mm-hmm. It's like you just have to be aware of those things. But right. But in terms of comedy, yeah, it, it became it became protest comedy. Protest comedy. Yeah. Now you're almost and and you've because I've also heard you say this story. You're almost tasked with going into comedy. In spite, I mean, obviously you had an interest in it. You talk about you know red fox jokes, telling the red, red fox jokes back in the sixth grade, um, by Imam Warthin himself. Yeah, personally, like so you had that kind of act, act, and like looking, relationship. And, and looking back, red fox was an activist. Well, okay. let's yeah. talk about comedy. Uh, I want to. I want to come back to that, but let's finish your story, and then we'll come back oh, to no, the history no. of sort of protest comedy and what that means and the relationship to comedy and protest. Well, I think I that mean, is the a idea, really critical. The idea of discussion. All that made me funny. Yeah. comes up, and I waited two years after nine eleven. I waited two years because I wanted to see how the community was going to respond. You know, is it as we alluded to earlier? Is going to be. Uh, house Muslims, yeah. field Muslims, you know, field Muslim situation, or are we really going to rise up and come up with this organic model to deal with these things? And I waited two years, and I decided, well, I'm going to do stand up for our people. Hmm. See, because I became Muslim to keep my soul out of hell, I became a Muslim comedian because our people were catching hell. But had you already been doing comedy before? I've been working on all, all kind of audiences, but I made a really fundamental shift to, I'm going to, I would like to, inshallah, establish something organic and our mm. thing. So our comedy, you remember the beginning, our comedy was clean, it was family oriented. You know, there were certain things you just weren't saying. Mm. You know, there was, there was, there was uh, you know, there, there, was, there was proper reverence to Allah, there's proper reverence to, you know, family life, social life, community life. You know, the idea of prophethood. All these things were important. You know, these things were important. And I'm like, you can still speak the truth and still have those things as 
positive filters. A lot of guys think, oh, if I do that, then I can't. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I can't be real. No, you're being real here. Yeah. You know, but I can't. It's, it's real and it's relevant. So, so, hmm. so you know, but what history of, I mean, I guess I, I, I'm, I'm curious as to when that, when that period ever changed. Like, what has changed, like, within Muslim comedy? I mean, it, to be, and before we even yeah. say that, I mean, it feels like there's still a relative paucity in terms of Muslim comedians, in terms of the imprint, uh, right? I mean, because there, at, there's, there's, at least, I mean, maybe I'm just not. Maybe we're, no, no, I, I, I put me and you in the same category. Right, but like, I mean, unless we're just not in the know. Because I remember when Azra was first starting out, yeah. and I, I remember when, when I first heard of you again, it was the early aughts, yeah. and, and I feel like that pool has not grown substantially. Mm-mm. It's diminished. Well, why is that? In your opinion, I mean, obviously, it's just... Yeah, well, you say it's diminished? Yeah, man. Wow. So... I'm going to call it... Look, I'm going to call it as I see it. Okay. No, no. Yeah, but so... So then, maybe give us a little brief, like, what is the history of the of Muslim comedy? And you don't the have original, to be shy. You, you I'm can, no, I'm not going to be. Yeah. The history of Muslim comedy is that if you go back and you look at the old things that were written, written on the websites from Allah Made Me Funny They've been taken down but I, I still have the original yeah yeah. the idea is that number one we wanted to have a situation where Muslims came out and they could self-validate themselves don't wait for other people self-validate yourself see yourself as a full entity okay. in the world so, so we didn't do it in the master we did it in the comedy club so is that the genesis of Muslim comedy Allah Made Me Funny and if it is who who were those people? Because I, I, all, all I know from I'm that the, list I'm, is you and Azu. I'm the Azu. Fi- I'm the founder of All of Me Funny. Okay, and you would and and, and I went, again without I being went, shy, you would say that that's. Found, I went and found Azu. Right. I, I but that's the genesis. That's the starting. And then point. we also had Azim Muhammad. So yeah. you had three guys that uh-huh. represented largely history of the African American Muslim okay. Sunni. Azim was in the nation. Oh. And Azar from yeah. from the immigrant. Population. Now, what we did was we're very, very strategic. We said, listen, we know what the hustle is. So when all of Made Me Funny gets going on, everybody's really liking it, da 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 da. People are going to choose sides. We want him. That's our guy. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Now, internally, it's like what we have to understand is that's going to happen. We have to make sure that that doesn't break off. Yeah. And so for Azar, the thing was, we're going to teach you how to be a comedian. Because remember, he's a lawyer. Yeah. We're going to teach you the basis of how to be a comedian. Because it's even our road comics. Already. We are road comics. We established road comics. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, we're going to teach you the game. Okay. Which is not just that, it's sustainability. And so we took him around to comedy spaces he probably wouldn't have gotten into the improv for five, six, seven, eight years if I didn't have those relationships. Right. So he saw a lot of things, but he saw a lot of black people. And they supported. They were like, listen, we're going to be here. We're here at the beginning. Remember one thing Muhammad said something very important. I don't want to lose this point. When the idea came about doing all that made me funny, you wanted some, you wanted some approval. He says, you, you, you have my... He, said, he basically says, you have my support. Right. With one caveat. Mm-hmm. He says, don't start it in the African-American community. Oh, that's interesting. 
Always being a visionary. You he said, go start it over there. And I said, man, that's like starting over. I was like, I'm, I'm doing, I'm coming. That's like starting over. And he looks at me and he says, well, are you funny or not? Wow. Which is like Miss Jones going, are you a comedian or are you a client? Right, yeah. right. What's the difference? What are you going to be? Because he, you know. Why did he say that? Did he understand the power structure within the Muslim community? Yeah. He said, we have scholars. I mean, have I Islamic, yeah. we have Islamic scholars over here that can't get, they can't get on the minbar anywhere. That's right. He said, they can't, they can't speak to those people. That are, you know, he was, he, they're keeping it real. Yeah. He said, well, with that comedy thing, he said, that's new. It's because comedy reached the kids. Mm-hmm. It reached the teenagers. You know, so if you had my uncle, 80 years old, I don't like him. Uh, you, you're 80 right now. I don't know how long you're going to be around, but <laughs> let me deal with these people yeah. who are still out in the world or still out in the world and things like that. You know, you think about well, it made me funny, man. We carried a whole generation. We started in 2004. 2014, we were still torn. Carried a whole generation. So you say that the pool has diminished. Uh, the thought is, the thought is, listen. When I started my mentor, I said, listen, you know, Reginald Kitchen, pray for him. He needs a kidney. But when we were teaching, and uh, I worked as a teacher, worked as an outreach worker, he said, man, we in the business of saving lives. Which is really what Imam Wardim Muhammad used to say. He said, we're in the business of saving life. We're trying to keep souls out of hell. And that was the mandate. It was a community mandate. Now most comedians these days, it's, uh, it's not about the people. Hmm. It's not about the people. I'll use the people so these people think that I have a base or following so I can get a TV show, I can get on here. That's what that is. So then... You have some Muslim comedians. The they won't even. Get it. They won't even return a slam. Really? And yeah. Maybe the reason we don't get it, Zaki, is because of the way we're defining Muslim comedy versus the way preacher is. It's evolved now. Right? In fairness, I mean, I, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but it's evolved a certain. Could it's, it's, you define? Because you're almost you're arguing that Muslim comedy, by definition, Muslim, has a Muslim, message. You're saying a Muslim comedian is not the same as a comedian who has to be Muslim. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. I think the game is. I think the game. I mean, let's be real. Then would you? Then by that token, would you define Dave Chappelle? Where does he? Where does he fit in that demarcation that Zucky just pointed out? He's a comedian who happens to be a Muslim, or is he Muslim comedy? I think he's both. <laughs> I think I think you'll find he's yeah. he's both. I think Dave Chappelle reminds me when I was younger that you would go out on stage and you would put ideas out, uh-huh. and people go, "Oh, that's interesting." Huh. Because you know, there was something to the ideas. Yeah. No, I'm going to play, you know, devil's advocate. Yes. Or um, as my as my beloved brother Osama likes to say, angel's advocate, right? And, and that is that some would argue that Dave Chappelle, by virtue of the language he uses on stage, mm-hmm. by virtue of the fact that he may not, you know, be as practicing as some others. Sure. And some of his and a lot of his material being sexually explicit, etc. Yeah. I saw it doesn't fit the definition of a Muslim comedian, but a comedian who happens to be Muslim. Now, that, what would you say to that? Well, I mean, he, he said something in an interview yeah. years ago. Now, because I'd be curious, what I, I never asked this question to Uzher, I think but it I was, want to ask this question to you. 
I think the thing about Dave is it's genuine. Hmm. It's authentic. Authentic. And I feel like some Muslim comedians take his authenticity as license to do it themselves. If he did it, then it's right. all right for me uh, to do it. Because he... But you haven't been through... Yeah. See, he's a, he's a kid, 14, right. 14 years old, at the Comedy Cafe in Washington, D.C. His mother has to take him on stage. Yeah. He's a guy that goes, you know what? I know what I want to do. Yeah. I'm not a comedian. I want to go to New York. And he's 17 years old. He's that guy. That's yeah. right. These guys are, are not that guy. That, they would just be faking the funk. They're, yeah. they're faking the funk. And it's like, they want to be... God bless them. I love them. Yeah, yeah. They want to be seen in that way, but you haven't put in That's right. that work. You don't know what he went through. You don't know what his family went through. You know, you don't know that, that struggle. Yeah. Because that type of struggle, it takes most people out. You don't know it. I mean, this is, a, I mean, heart-wrenching stories, but... So, well, yeah, and the idea that, oh... Uh, Profanity is the reason Dave Chappelle's popular. That would be a very reductive and ridiculous reading of why he's... I feel like sometimes profanity makes it a little less... It makes it a, a, a little lighter hmm. than what he's actually yeah. talking about. Yeah. yeah. I have to hire a band to... <laughs> I gotta hire a jazz band because I'm like, some people are like, we, we, we never saw this coming from Preach. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because I have to give you the rhythm of how I'm seeing it. I see things in music. Nice. And I'm like, I have to do this because I need to help you understand what I'm saying. Dave Chappelle, you know, Dave Chappelle, myself, maybe other people, you know, we are, we're failed jazz musicians. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm serious. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go on the record here, and, and I normally don't do something like this, but I'm going to say that I agree with you, and 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 my assessment of art in general is that art is art is its own thing, man. It's going to be organic. It's going to be uh, authentic. It, it, you know, to be real, meaningful art. And in that authenticity, in that realness, people are going to um, bring their th- themselves into the mix and. That includes people's backgrounds that may be comfortable using a profanity, or maybe even consuming uh, uh, marijuana, or skirting around no skirting around uh, issues of, of Muslim orthodoxy or orthopraxy. But to me, all of that is still within the broad lens of Muslim art because it. I don't know. I, Maybe I'm not being clear here, but I, I, I look at it. Like I think art. I think artistic expression. You can't. It's like the genie's out of the bottle. You can't. You can't contain it because then, if you try to license it and contain it and try to censor it, then it it, it no longer is authentic and but real. You bring, but you bring a point. You bring a point. Yeah. Now you bring up a very valid point, which is when it's authentic, it, it means something. When it's copied yeah uh, replicated mm. it's not authentic right. and it presents a presumptive danger to the consumer wow because kids think that's the way yeah. we get down right right nice. I like that so oh he did it I did it right look man I look at I, 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 
I listen to music now. Yeah. I, I, I try to listen to some stuff the kids are listening to. Know, yeah. I was about to say, I mean, that's like if you look at uh, the progression of hip hop music, right? If you look at like. Somebody, know. one day somebody said, you know what? Public Enemy is too real. Yeah. Give us NWA. Right. NWA is way too real. Right. Let's give us. Yeah. Give us this. Yeah. But that's way too real. You know what? Let's just have either we can't understand the words. Right. Or the words are going to be in such a staccato fashion. It's not even communication. Yeah. You turn on the radio, you go, higga, 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 woo. That's a song. That's a hit song, man. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because you're trying to create it in a laboratory, or in this case, in a music studio. When you look at, using NWA as an example, like they're saying something, it's about that experience but then when you again re- replicate 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 and you have the, the sort of caricature of n-word 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 scantily clad women and that's sort of that when somebody this, goes that's what's selling yeah, right yeah exactly we go, right. somebody came up to me and goes preach that thing you did right there that's, right. that's what's selling I'm gonna right. commodify well that. you know what yeah. the game's now that's right I can't do that anymore that's you'll never kept- you will never see it Again, because I don't trust you with that content. Mm-hmm. I can't trust you to walk out in the street, quote unquote, with my words and tell it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about NWA, which I thought was really, really missed in that movie, mm-hmm. is the evolution of Ice Cube going, wait a minute, we're making this money. You're taking authentic content and you're doing whatever you want to. Yeah. And the breakdown of, did you sign the paper? No, it was because he's seeing it like, wait a minute, is anyone else seeing what I'm seeing? Yeah, which was beautiful and it was it was it was was amazingly articulated. I mean, his song was a diss record, no Vaseline. Yeah, Yeah. there's a part in there. It's like, whoo wee! I can't believe that made that made it on the record because he's talking about how the industry gets in and breaks up communities. It's also a little uh, allusion to it alluded a little bit to how crack got in and broke up the community so I mean when you start looking at that just the little pieces you know I didn't like NWA initially because like man this is first I didn't think they could rap I think it was going, then I heard a couple lyrics I'm like he's saying something there yeah. he's saying something there see the thing these days is people grow into this space where I need people to know I'm saying something. Like, I need attention Hmm. for what I'm saying because that gets me attention. Right. So, well, listen, if you can't say it to the the valet downstairs or do it on the corner, it ain't real. You know? I don't need an audience to be real. And it's like, that's the thing. It's like, we don't need... You know, Muslim comedy is very cliquish right now. Mm-hmm. Because I need so and so, we need to group over here, and we're gonna make it. And I'm like, yo, that's not that's not the game. You know, my whole idea about Muslim comedy, and I won't be long. My whole Muslim, my whole idea about Muslim comedy was not me going through the front door and being a star. Yeah. My whole idea of Muslim comedy was taking my community through the door and go, those are the stars. We have stars all around. Shine the spotlight on these people. Because they mean something. They have value. 
I mean, my job is to get you to the door and then get out of the way. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think I think part of the problem, and this isn't exclusive to the Muslim sure. comedy sphere, but I think in general we have a trend uh, um, within the Muslim community of people realizing that that label Muslim is something they can commodify and turn it into a, a, a paycheck. Just, just say what it is, man. The label Muslim, you can pimp it. And the, yeah. label, and the label Muslim is being pinned. Right. I mean, you, you don't agree with that? Well, who? I'm not thinking of anyone in. in no, no, no. I'm not trying to think of anyone in particular. But I, I, I well, see. Like, who, 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 well, there, there's, value, there's value in being the Muslim X, right? And and I, I think I think what what preacher was saying earlier about the idea of you let one in and that keeps the other ones out. I think I think there's. A remarkable amount of truth to that because I think that's that's very apt, and I think that's not just applicable to Muslims. I think when you look at yeah, yeah, well, because he was saying that experience comes from like uh, saying yeah, people would say about about Jewish people, sure, yeah, you but, know? sorry, okay, because I'm fascinated by this. But I mean, I just, I just I think that what what we're seeing now, I mean, because you're talking about the role of Muslim. Artists and whether you can be a Muslim artist or an artist who happens to be Muslim and, and sort of the fluidity yeah. there. I think I think uh, a lot of people are realizing that there is value in putting yourself out there as the Muslim X, and you're pushing and, being, and, and you're being pushing, the only one. Yeah, or being one of the few, and you're pushing certain boundaries that certainly aren't normally expected uh, 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 from a Muslim, and so that you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, that's and, I'm not, and by this because I'm not sitting here in judgment of anybody. Right. Okay. This is certainly something right. I'm, I've. Because I'm putting this in, the, in my world, right? I'm translating this into my world. So I think at a law firm, let's say, right, and I'm the sole or one of the few Muslim partners or brown partners at the law firm, right? Suddenly, this up and coming brown associate who happens to be Muslim, happens to be brown, whatever, um, is coming up the ranks. I feel threatened. Yeah, sure. I feel threatened because, hey. I am yeah. the sole brown you know, Muslim th- there's, there's a movie. Uh, partner at the law firm. There's there's buddy. a movie called Not Another Teen Movie. I don't know if you've seen this. It's a parody of yeah, like teen of teen movies. Teeny Bob movies. So there's there's Who like starts a, Chris, Chris Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Sorry, like first movie. Yeah. So so there's a scene. It's like the party scene, right? Okay. And it's a big party and whatever. And um, you've got like the 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 token black character in the yeah. movie, and he's at the party, and he sees there's a, another black guy there. Yeah. And he's like, hey man. I'm the black guy in this movie. And he's like, oh, really? Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Oh, my bad. And he leaves, right? <laughs> and obviously, it's, it's making a point of the idea that, that within these realms, you, yeah. have, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. have the designated black, black person, the yeah. designated Hispanic person. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Right. And so there's a sense of like, well, if you're going to tag somebody in, you've got to tag out. <laughs> yeah, know? no. Alondo Bolton does a joke about... Uh, oh, he's so funny. Doing... Uh, he went to Alaska. Okay. And uh, he met the black guy in Alaska. <laughs> and he goes, are you here to relieve me? <laughs> or something like that. Right. Yeah. You know, and I mean, but there's, uh, I think one of the most dynamic dudes is out there right now. Um, they talk about him, they're not talking about him enough. This is from an artist's perspective, but also from a Muslim artist's perspective. Is the... Um, it's the phenomena of Brother Ali. Hmm. And I love Brother Ali. And I'm like, I love that brother. I'm like, but the yeah. world is going to catch up to you probably too. Yeah. Twenty years after you're gone, man. Hmm. 
I'm like, he's he's on that level. Yeah. And I'm and like, yet. I'm an old school dude. And he's like, I appreciate you. You know how he is. I appreciate you, an old school dude. And you're my big brother. And I'm like, yo, man, I've been checking you out for a minute. Mm-hmm. I was like, game recognizes game. I'm like, Phew. you know, I was like, I see what you're doing. And it's amazing. Because his guy's like, I'm just going to walk my path. Hmm. And we just don't. That's true Muslim. I'm just going to walk my path, yeah, man. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm like, we don't have that. We have formulate understanding of how you can be successful in this thing. So if you want to be on Comedy Central, these are things you got to do. If you want to yeah. be on Netflix, these are things you got to do. Right, right, right. My, my father's like, you know, I told him to do a comedy special. because you like on Netflix? Oh, yeah. I said, no, sir. <laughs> he goes, why? I said, I'm telling a lot of truth, man. That's it. I don't think Netflix. That's hmm. it. I don't think most people can handle some of the stuff I'm talking about. It's because it's real. It's coming from a real mm-hmm. place. I'm like, hey, man. You know, you know what you strip down jokes, but you know what you get. You're gonna get some truth. You're gonna get that hot. You know, and it's like when you start understanding. As we were talking earlier, the thing about Allah made me funny. I, I, I mentioned it. It was meant to pull African American Indian people together. Mm-hmm. Together. It's like this is this is gonna be something that our kids could look at and go, "Wow, that really happened." And while it happened, now you really don't you really don't hear much about it. It's flossed over, you know. I'm so and so. I'm doing this now. Are you really doing it now? It's it's it's, it's a different piece, man. And I think also when we, we first did it. This is one of the things, man. My worthy Muhammad appreciated. I said we are. This is a protest. This is a protest comedy for the things that we were seeing after, directly after 9/11. I said, but it's also to highlight the meaningful and valuable contributions of African American Muslims mm-hmm. in the history of African Muslims of Muslims in America. Mm-hmm. Everyone forgets that part. Yeah, everyone forgets that part. You know, your your point about Brother Ali, I think, beautifully articulates what I was trying to say in my in a very inarticulate manner about what my, my thoughts on art and Muslim art in general, because. Take Brother Ali, right? I, I, I've been to a Brother Ali concert, right? It says, it's as pure and authentic of a hip hop experience as you're going to get, right? Mm-hmm. But you're at a, but you're in a setting, you're in a particular space, and we can, you know, there's certain things going on in that space, right? Without calling it out, certain things that I would argue Muslim orthodoxy, the naysayers. Uh, the critics of that art form are going to say, "Oh no, this is harm. You can't. This is this is unlawful. This is not appropriate. This is this is wrong." And yet, you're in, you're in this space. You're at this quintessentially hip hop American experience. And Brother Ali closes the show out with the audience saying, "Ya Salam, Ya Qudus, Ya Hafiz," like saying the names of God, literally saying "Allahu La Ilaha Illallah," so on and so forth. And, and so you have that happening as well. And yet, what I'm saying is that, is that that's a beautiful phenomenon that's happening. But it is something that the naysayers, those who say, well, no, 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 this is haram, this is wrong, are going to think the thing is as being, you know what I mean, as being repugnant, period. I think the thing is, if you took Badali out of that setting and put him in a quote-unquote yeah, yeah, yeah. halal setting, yeah. 
he'd be just as effective. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing. I know. I know. I'm but, right. Right. But the fact of the matter is, those people yeah. that we're talking about, yeah. they're afraid. They're afraid to say, "Hey, listen, come over. Give us that over here." Right. They're afraid because you lose control. Right. You know because you've been saying no, 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 no for so many years, and somebody go. Oh, Someone goes, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, then it works. They invalidate. Hmm. You know, they, it, it, it's like, okay, cool. Why should I listen to you the next time? Hmm. Wow. Well, I think uh, that's a good place to leave right. this discussion. Oh my gosh, we yeah, covered we, the gamut. We, we covered the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, uh, real quick, as we wind things yeah. up, uh, are there any, any upcoming things that you have uh, coming up? That uh, I taped the comedy CD. Uh, last week called Confessions of a Muslim Comedian which we'll dig into that it'll be sort of like a a comedy playbook parts of it stand up parts of it is like I'm just going to give you the game Um, and then I really actually I was out in California two weeks ago Um, I did a very very important Eid show Um, I did an Eid show at uh, Solano Prison wow in uh, Vacaville, California. Um, you weren't I, too far from here. I did two shows Beautiful. for Eid. Uh, first show, 80 inmates, Muslim. Yeah, yeah. Second show, like 150 inmates, Muslim. Huh. And then all this craziness, I have to say, man, it's... What does it say that you have to go to prison to get your mind right? <laughs> I had to go to prison to get my mind right. That's right. Like, I, like, fell at home, like... <sighs> Was that was that your first time like kind of going? No, I've done it before. I, right. I what was it about that experience? First of all, I felt guilty because I'd done it in two thousand three, mm-hmm. and I'd never gone back in fifteen years. Mm. Realizing that these guys, you know, when you have a guy that's doing, you know, he's been in life up for forty years. He's a LWAP, uh, life without parole. Yeah, the guy goes, man, I ain't laughed like that in forty years. You realize he's been in jail. You know, he came in and he was 20. That's right. He's 60 years old. He's going to have a life in 40 years. I'm like, what, what, are we, what are we talking about? I'm like, why does Trump matter? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, what, what are we really, really talking about? Right. So, right. I mean, that's, that's real. But I think we have to define our own realness mm-hmm. uh, away from Instagram, away from Facebook yeah. and, and Tumblr and Twitter and you know, shut those things down and, and let's come up with some authentic, organic ideas. I mean, we're, we're people of a book, man. We're oral tradition, man. We know how to talk. We know how to, you know, it's not a brother. I know that took the Shahada. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear of uh, Bismillah Ibrahim and, and it didn't sound like a, a hit Motown tune. You know, it's something that just resonates with brothers. Like, right. And it's like, where's that love, man? Are you in prison? And you hear a brother talking about brothers. We just get our life right, and we get get out of here. What's in this book and apply it, and you you're inspired. But that's the brother that's never getting out. Hmm. I was like, you know, we can't. We want to be able to serve that brother, but we can't become that brother. You know, we can't mm-hmm. become the thing that we're fighting against because we're not stepping up or engaging what we call the beast, if you will. So I mean, you know, those 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 are real things. I mean, I'm I'm back to a space at 51. I'm just walking that path now. Yeah. So 
Normally, this is where I ask if you're on social media, but that would just feel incredibly inappropriate. I now, am. So. I am. I try. <laughs> I'm one of those social media triers. Like, you know, I have Instagram. I don't think I've done Twitter, and I can't, I can't really do Twitter. And, and Facebook is a lot. I don't like the sign on. That's my problem with Facebook. It's just too much signing on. <laughs> yeah. um, there's some things I put out on Instagram, but it's just real. You know, it's real stuff, but I'm not a dude who's like, I got to be out here every every five minutes, got to be putting something up. Yeah, right. So that probably diminishes my uh, my potencies as as an Instagrammer. As an influencer. <laughs> as well, man, I mean, well, you know what it is, man? I've seen influencers before. Mm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I've seen influencers before. I remember, I remember me, Muhammad Ali, and I didn't want to be a boxer. I just wanted to be a good black strong man. Huh. I didn't want to be a boss. I knew I was going to be a boss. I said, I just want to be a strong black man. See, those are the yeah, yeah, yeah. things that you miss, yeah. you know? Yeah, right, right. Never met Malcolm X, but I'm like, there's a purity to what he's saying, man. Yeah. You know? He's a convict, but there's a purity to what he's saying. That's what we were talking about. Solano Prison. It's like, you, you, you can't overlook that. It's like, huh. I, I'll wrap this up. There's a purity to the message and the mission and the character dissemination of the Vasulah, peace and blessings being upon him. But I never met him. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. I remember when someone told me and I did some reading. They said, what do you think? I said, yo, man, it's a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> Not, Alameen. Yeah. It's a bad dude. Yeah. No, it's you're a right. bad There's a man. There. It's a bad man. He's a good man, but he's a bad man because he's relevant to me. Because he's a prophet, but... Hey man, we gotta get out and have a war. We gotta get out and have a war. Let's 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 get to it. Huh. It's like this isn't working. This is where we're gonna be. Let's go and get to it. Mm-hmm. You bring your guys. I bring my guys. You know that's the realness. You know. Huh. It's like we talk about Mandela, but like yo, Mandela was a freedom fighter. Don't get it. You know with the white hair and hello everybody. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah, but the dudes, dudes like if I gotta if I gotta kill you, I kill you. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not advocating violence. I'm not advocating violence, I'm not advocating aggression, but I am advocating intellectual process and intelligence. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, some days you gotta be willing to go there. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm 51, I'm more than willing to go there. So, how about a website at least where people can maybe. It's under construction, but go okay. to, to okay. preachermoss.com. There you go. Preachermoss.com. Um, thank you so much. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I. I I gotta ask this just on a yes, personal question. Preacher, the name. Yes. Tell us about that before you close this out. Wow. Um, or before I'm, I'm gonna hand it over to Zucky to close this out. No, my mother was a church lady. Ah. So she. So that was your birth name. No. 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 Oh. My slave name. That's my old black guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My slave name is is Bryant Moss. Okay. Is Bryant Moss. Bryant. B R Y A N T. Now, Bryant. look, just for the record, I mean, no, actually, don't feel shy about that. We've had Imam Siraj on, we've had Imam Zaid on, they've uh, all told, told us their quote unquote slave names. I know, just so, yeah. you know. But, how, but how deep is that? Don't worry about it. How deep is that? This is America. This is the, the land of democracy. But you got a whole culture of African Americans still walking around with the slave name. <laughs> it's deep. We don't even think about it. Yeah. That's how. Damn, man. It's 2 o'clock. <laughs> right. 
So was then. So then. You know, my name preacher uh, comes from is it's a nickname. First of all, okay. What it was, my mother used to take me to church, and you know, the black kids we had to go to church on Sunday, and essentially, the reverend's name was Reverend John Johnson the third. Nice guy, horrible public speaker. I don't think those things really bounce off. Right. Your minister and your horrible public speaker. You're in the, you're in the wrong and I mean, he would give these painfully bad sermons. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid. I'm six, seven years old. I used to do imitations of him giving bad sermons. Mm-hmm. And I came up with a character for him called Reverend Spitty Mouth. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he like preach and spit and the Lord said <laughs> and he said come to Jesus <laughs> you know and it would crack up all the kids so eventually I went from you know Reverend spit him out to that kid preacher moss mm-hmm. so uh-huh. be careful funny. careful what you ask for right right <laughs> that's really funny it's like your mom used to say like be good, you know, if you make that face it's gonna stick you know it's like well <laughs> Yeah, if you do that, yeah. and the Lord said, <laughs> "That's it." And then he became preacher. Dude, he was so horrible. One time, he was, you know how, you know how they they'll slide a message. He was going through the Bible and they slide and send a message, and he goes, "And the Lord John said." You got five minutes. Left. And he goes, "And the Lord John says, license plate two seven eight eight nine. You're blocking the handicapped parking, please." I'm like, "That's not in the Bible, man." <laughs> I know I'm only that's seven. The new, new Testament. I know I'm only seven, but that's not in the Bible there. The new, but, new but I mean that that's it, man. So, hey, man, I want to thank you guys, and uh, hopefully I didn't offend anybody because sometimes the game can be ugly. No, no, no we're no, gonna have great. you back. Yeah, oh, yeah. This was just a start, and we've been wanting to have this conversation for the longest time. Um, Zeki, maybe tell, to tell our listeners where people can find us and yeah, yeah, well, support uh, us. Uh, yes, please go to our yeah. Patreon page. It's Patreon.com/slash Congruence. And you can also uh, hit like on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash diffusecongruence, as well as uh, you can email us at moviefilm. No, that's that's my other podcast. I have so many. You can email us at diffusecongruence at gmail.com. You can also email us at moviefilmpodcast.com, but topics unrelated to this show. What are you, Jamaican man? Jesus. Yeah. Fifteen podcasts. He's got a lot of product to hustle. He's, got, he's, got, he's got six he of them going right now. It's, it's yeah, exactly. Like, Where's Zachy? I'm like, what of, show am I doing he's here? He's got a lot of product product to he's hustle. Got, he's, he's, got, he's got one microphone and sixteen hidden. <laughs> That's right. Some Jamaican down there go, "Bye, white man, Zachy's on, boy. He's talking a ting. He's telling a ting now. Bye, white daddy. Telling a ting on Trump." <laughs> Tell it, boy. Tell a thing on. Tell a thing now. <laughs> but why is it? Tell it. Tell a thing. <laughs> so that's uh, that's our email address. Yeah. And uh, Pervez on Twitter. Yep. Uh, what, what, yeah. Yeah. Pervez FM. Okay. And and I'm at uh, Zeki's Corner. Z a k i s Corner. And that's my website. Just added dot com. And uh, we will catch you next time. Thanks everybody for listening. Okay. So.